0: Welcome back. We are on Parsha Toldot, and we are reviewing Rabbi Sachs's book, Studies in Spirituality. The topic of this week's essay is A Father's Love. This, this Parsha is one of the more difficult ones for me because of the conflict between Jacob uh, and Esau and the uh, dishonest way in which the blessings are obtained from Isaac. So let's go into the story a little bit and see what Rabbi Sachs has to offer. So Rabbi Sachs focuses on the question about the relationship between Isaac and Esau. It was It's clear from Rebecca that Rebecca favored Jacob, but it seems throughout the story that Isaac was very tolerant of Esau and uh, it wasn't clear that he had a preference over, over Jacob. And the question is, why did he love Esau so much? Um, Was it something simple like the fact, as you read from the text, that he enjoyed Esau's hunting and the meat he would provide? Uh, You would expect from someone with the caliber of Isaac that the the feeling is much deeper than that. So so let's go through this a little bit. Well, Isaac certainly knew that his older son Esau had a temper and it clearly says in the Torah, in chapter 26, verse 34, that when Esau married, he married two Hittite daughters, and this was a source of grief to Isaac and Rebekah. So so he was aggravated with Isaac on certain levels, but yet he clearly loved Esau. That was clear um, from the request he made to Esau when he says in chapter 27 verse 7, Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so I may give you my blessing before I die. Now, Esau enters and provides food to Isaac, but he does it after Jacob had already secretly dressed as Esau and in conhoots with his mom Rebekah he had already received the blessing. So there was no blessing to give to Esau when he arrived. And the Torah describes Isaac as, quote, trembling violently. And Esau, in verse 33, bursts out with a loud and bitter cry. So the Torah generally avoids a lot of emotional descriptions. So if you even if you look at the Akedah, the bindings of Isaac, there's there's really no indication of the emotional state of Avraham or Isaac during the episode. But here we're seeing some vivid emotional descriptions of the emo, of of what's going on here between Isaac and Esau when they realize that there's there's no blessing to give Esau. Now this this is quite unusual. So so the question is why did Isaac love Esau despite everything, despite his wildness, despite his outmarriages, despite the fact that he didn't have the, the mannerisms and the character that would continue the Abrahamic tradition? And the sages give an explanation. They describe that the phrase that's mentioned in chapter 25 verse 27, that he was a skillful hunter. Well, what they mean by that is that Esau trapped and deceived Isaac. How so? Well, he pretended to be more religious than he was. Now, there's a different explanation that's just more more of a plain meaning interpretation, which is why did Isaac love Esau? It's not because he was religious. Isaac loved Esau because Esau was his son, and that's what fathers do, because parents love their children unconditionally. That doesn't mean that Isaac saw anything, was was, uh, blind to the faults of Esau, although it's interesting that Isaac was physically blind toward the end of his life. But it doesn't necessarily mean that he didn't recognize the faults in Esau's character. And it doesn't mean that he didn't recognize that Esau wasn't the right person to continue the covenant. But Isaac knew that a father must love his son because he's his son. And that's not incompatible with being critical. And a father doesn't disown his son. And Isaac's teaching us a fundamental lesson in parenthood. And why is it Isaac that's teaching us this lesson about disowning their children? Well, think of how he was raised. First off, he, was, he saw what, what Abraham had done to Ishmael when Ishmael was sent away. And he knew how much it pained Avraham and he probably knew how much it injured Ishmael. So, now there is Midrash uh, commentaries that talk about how afterwards Avraham reconciled with Ishmael and it was Isaac who was part of that reconciliation. But, but he was determined, perhaps, not to, be, not to place the same situation upon his own son, Esau. So, likewise, there's a, there, there's, um, he knew that the very depths of his being, the psychological cost, on both father and himself, due to the trial of the binding. So, let's go back to the binding, and again, there's not much emotional language there, but we know that Isaac was blind, and when Midrash tells us that that blinding is a result of tears that were shed by the angels as they watched Avraham bind his son and lift the knife that fell into Isaac's eyes, causing him to go blind in his old age. This is from Genesis Rabbah. Okay. So sur- surely, even though this, this trial was commanded by God, it left wounds. And it left Isaac Isaac in the position where he was not going to sacrifice Esau on behalf of of the the legacy of Jacob. He was going to maintain unconditional love with Esau. And you can look at this as a tikkun, as a repair for the rupture in the father-son relationship that was brought about by the binding. So even though Esau's path is not the path of the covenant, the the path that follows the tradition of the blessings that Abraham was, was given by God, Isaac was giving paternal love, and he helped prepare for the next generation in which all of Jacob's children remain in the fold in one way or the other. Now there's a fascinating argument between two sages of the Mishnah period, and this is over the verse in Deuteronomy chapter 14, 1, which says about the Jewish people, You are children of the Lord your God. And this, is, uh, this discussion occurs in Gemara, the tractate Kedushin, in uh, page 36. And Rabbi Judah says that this verse only applies to Jews who behave in a way worthy of the children of God. Those are the children of the Lord your God, the ones who behave like they are children. And Rabbi Meir, he disagrees and he says, no, no, no. The, being a child of God is unconditional. Whether Jews behave like God's children or not, they're still called children, the children of God. And Rabbi Meir believed in unconditional love and he lived according to that view. His own teacher was Elisha ben Abuya, who eventually lost faith and became a heretic. However, Rabbi Meir would continue to study with him, respect him, and communicated that the very last moment of his life Elisha ben Abuya had repented and returned and made Teshuvah and returned to God. So, if we're going to take an idea that's central to Judaism, the, the concept of Avinu Malkeinu, which means the, essentially a God as our father our king our king is first and foremost our parent and we're going to invest our relationship with god with the most profound of emotions we we wrestle with god just like parents wrestle with the with their children or i should say children wrestle with their parents the the the, the most deepest intense relationships are, are often the ones that are most filled with conflict because the stakes are so high the emotions are so intense that it leads it can lead to dramatic schism and just like we wrestle with with god as a child does with his parents the relationship's going to be tense it can be painful but ultimately at the deepest sense of the relationship we know the bond is unbreakable no matter what kind of relationship you have with your parent you can't take away the fact that they're your parents and a child is a child. And the same thing with God, that we can't separate ourselves from our Creator, whether we're angry at them or not. So the bond is deeply damaged but it's never broken beyond repair. So if you look at this story, perhaps what Isaac is signaling to all generations by his continuing love for Esau is despite their differences, despite that Esau was so different from Isaac in character, and his destiny wasn't to be part of the Jewish people. He was not rejected. And just as Midrash says that Abraham never rejected Ishmael and found ways of communicating his love, so too is Isaac uh, trying to keep that bond with Esau. So unconditional love is not uncritical, but it is unbreakable. And that's how we should love our children, for it's how God loves us. So I think um, the fact is that the the story of jacob and esau continues to play on in future in future uh, parshas where uh jacob and esau there's there's trepidation on jacob's behalf that he's going to have a meeting with esau and jacob ends up fleeing from his house after the blessing because he's fearful of of esau taking his revenge but if you look at the plain the plain text it appears that jacob and esau did come to an accommodation they did uh resolve amicably their differences and went their own ways. And uh, you know, ever since, unfortunately, their their descendants, uh, Esau's descendants are Adam, which are the descendants of uh which led to the in our tradition the, the Roman kingdom. So between the, the, the Kingdom of Rome and, and the and the Jewish kingdoms there had been uh many, many years of fighting. But uh but I think the lesson here is that you know, reconciliation is always possible. Uh, and as parents, it's our job to make sure that we're not creating an irrevocable schism between our parent and our children. And that reflects the relationship that we have with God, that we may be a wayward son, but we can always return home. All right, everybody have a great week.